If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. Tonight, uh, I want to preach and uh, have some fun with y'all. And uh, it's going to be a pretty, uh, pretty good word. Um, I was pretty excited when God told me, so hopefully that, that applies to y'all as well. Um, so we'll pray and uh, we'll dive into this and uh, let's see what happens. Father God, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for your presence, Father. I thank you that where the Spirit of the Lord is, that there is freedom, Father. I thank you that it's not by my might, it's not by my power, but it's by your Spirit that's going to work tonight. I thank you that your Word does not return void, but it will go out and accomplish exactly what it needs to do tonight. Father, I plead the blood of Jesus over this room right now and ask you to prepare the hearts of each and every one of us to receive your Word and to step out in faith tonight to exactly what you want us to hear and do, and that tonight is the night of freedom, and you're the one in charge of all our lives, no matter what the situation situation looks like. Empower me, Father. Fill me up as your vessel and flow through me. And anything that I don't say uh, correctly, just remove it from their minds. And uh, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Uh, I'm preaching out of uh, one verse tonight, uh, out of every book of the Bible, one verse. We're going to go as fast as we can. I'm joking. People are like, Um, I'm preaching out of Psalms 34.4. One verse, very powerful. Um, I was at work today, and I was praying over and over again, God, what do you want to say? What do you want to do? And um, he said, you're working, so I'm not going to talk to you. And I thought, thank you. I appreciate that. And so I went home and continued to pray and pray, and uh, he showed me this verse. And and we see it as it comes up, Psalms 34, 4. I sought the Lord. I'll read it. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. And when I read this verse today, it shot up inside of me, and it was amazing to see the action verbs that are in this thing. So we're going to focus on the three action verbs that are in this verse. I sought the Lord, He heard me, and delivered me. And we'll start with the word sought. The word sought in Hebrew is, it's kind of weird, it's called derash. The thing on your arm, on the back, the thing you kind of scrub and it doesn't go away, it's derash. And uh, I didn't make it up. That's what it says. I might be pronouncing it wrong, but I'm pretty sure this Louisiana boy is fluent in Hebrew, derash. And it means to inquire, to seek with care, frequent a place, to seek with a demand, to ask. I sought the Lord. Tonight I want to come to you with with a statement that, that God gave me as I was preparing this, this service. He says, tonight, I want to free the people from their fears and fill them with faith as they step into the new year. And, and I started inquiring to God what he, he wanted to say about that, that, that fears can mean a lot of things. My wife is deadly afraid of snakes, terrified of them. I mean, if she sees them on TV, sometimes she openly weeps because she's so terrified of them. Um, but, uh, it's something that we're working through and, uh, for her birthday, we're going to buy her a snake and we're just going to jump into the fire. We're just going to step out in faith and see what the Lord does, you know? Um, but fears can be a lot of different things to different people. Um, most people just think, oh, I'm afraid of the dark or, uh, I'm afraid of snakes or just things like that. But fear can be so deep rooted in certain things in our lives. I have a fear of, uh, not being able to, uh, pay my bills. I have a fear of never being liked by people. I have a fear that, um, my wife will never love me. My husband will never love me. I have a fear that I'll, I'll be sick and I'll die early. Fear can show up in so many different aspects of our lives. And the definition of fear that I saw uh, today, it's a, 
Oh, can't read my writing. Still can't read him. Uh, an emotion aroused by impending danger, whether the threat is real or imaginary. Fear, an emotion that arises up inside of you about the danger of something intense that could be real or imaginary. And the Lord today wants to start a process, not even completely deliver you today on whatever that fear is, a fear of insecurity, a fear of not having love, a fear of being sick, a fear of not paying the bills. He wants to break that off of us tonight, and he wants to bring us into this amazing new year with so much faith that we can step out and accomplish anything that we put our hearts to. Because God is, a, is not a man. He's not going to lie. What he says in his Bible is true. And if we apply it to our lives, it's going to show up in amazing things. And so it starts off this verse, Psalms 34, I sought the Lord. And I thought it was just amazing, the idea of seeking the Lord. And the thing that stuck out to me was to frequent a place. You see, me and my wife, we got married in October 1st, 2011. <laughs> and, um, and so we've been married for a little over two years. And I remember the first time I met her, we were, um, we were working together, and I thought, hey, who is this lady? I got to holler at her. You know, that's what we all were thinking when we saw our wives. Maybe not. And, um, and so uh, I found out that she could cook, and that was another, another check mark. And, uh, and so as I started finding out these things about her, it attracted me to her more and more. And so everywhere she was... Not creeper style, but I was there, you know. I was like, hey, there you, I see you over there. I'm going to come see you. What are you doing? Let's hang out. Let's go to the movies. Uh, are you hungry? Can you cook for me? Um, you know, just simple requests, uh, you know. And, um, but I constantly pursued her, and I sought after her, and I continued to go after her until finally I got on my knee on the beach in South Carolina and killed it with a nice proposal. And she didn't say yes at first. She literally grabbed the ring from me and put it on, started jumping up and down, and, uh, and I leaned into her ear and said, hey, you, you never gave me an answer. <laughs> you know, she just saw, ooh, shiny ring, uh, I'll take it. And uh, eventually she said yes a couple months later, and, uh, <laughs> joking. And, uh, and we got married, and it's been an amazing thing, but I found out that it just didn't stop with, with marriage. Oh, I got her, like, game over. Um, what's interesting is there's so many different things now in this deeper relationship that I continue to pursue. There's things that I see about her now that we live together and we experience uh, emotional connections and spiritual connections and things that are going on that we, I realize how much more I love her because I continue to pursue her. And so for those who have been married for longer than two years. I know some people are like, just wait till she gets older. And I'm like, oh boy, we'll work out together. Um, but I can't wait to continue to get older with her because that means I'm going to find out more and more things about her and I'll fall more and more in love with her. And so it starts off like this verse says, I sought the Lord. And so I want to challenge you tonight as you step into this new year. We heard Pastor Eric talk Sunday about an amazing thing about what we need to do just some practical things to pursue the Lord. He talked about praying in tongues and reading our Bible and showing up in church. Such simple things, but we put them by the wayside. And then when we're in the middle of a crisis and we're trying to overcome our fears, all of a sudden we have nothing to lean back on. And we're trying to figure out, God, where are you? What's going on? 
He says, I've always been here. Where have you been? You see, it says in James 4, 8, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. God is not a man that he can lie. I guarantee if you pursue him and you seek after him and you show up in that special place time after time, he's going to show up and he's going to do amazing things in your life. So what you have to do is start seeking the Lord. I don't know what that looks like in your life, but I challenge you to seek after the Lord because that is where the freedom starts. That is where the healing begins, is passionately pursuing. If you knew my wife better than I knew her, we'd be in a heap of trouble. But I know my wife very well because I continually to pursue after her. So hopefully this year you can find out some way to step into a new realm of pursuing the Lord. The second part of that verse, I sought the Lord and he heard me. That name is not as cool as Darash, but we'll, we'll throw it out there. It's pronounced Anna or Anna. I could be saying it wrong, but I got the mic. And uh, it means to answer, to respond as a witness, to speak, to shout. This is amazing. It says, I sought the Lord and he heard me. But as I was reading this and I looked at it in the Hebrew, the definition is to answer, to respond, to speak, to shout. I was expecting when I looked up the definition that when the Lord hears me, it would mean to hear, to listen with my ears, uh, some type of definition of that sort. But the definition that he used for the word hear is to answer, which means that as soon as you seek the Lord, he hears it and he automatically is responding. His hearing and his answering are the exact same thing. Isn't it amazing that God just isn't up there on the throne saying, poor baby, listen to her whine and complain again. Oh, listen to that man. He's just really struggling. As soon as he hears you're seeking, he's immediately answering and responding. I find it amazing that our God is so good that he doesn't just pity us. He's there with power to respond to that answer. I see time and time again throughout the Bible that God is a God that is all for communication. He's constantly talking. It's his Bible. It's his book. How many times does it say the Lord saith, Jesus saith, the Holy Spirit spoke? Over and over again, we see that he's speaking time and time again, but it starts all the way back in Genesis 1 when he starts off with having a relationship. And by the cool of the day, he's walking and he's calling out to Adam. You see, the whole intent of this relationship was listening and hearing speaking and talking back and forth to each other. God didn't want to just sit up there and look at you and laugh and be like, ha-ha, look at that person struggling again. I wish they'd learn. Look at, look at that couple over there. They're, they're really failing on their bills, Jesus. Come take a look. Look at them. No, he's actively pursuing, actively trying over and over again, shouting out to you. It's not that he's just speaking. He's shouting it out to you by the way of his word. He's saying you are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. Everything that you put your hand to is going to prosper and is prospering right now. He's shouting it out from his book and he's begging you to step out in faith and believe for a second that maybe he can overcome anything that you're encountering. Amen. Amen. And so we see that God responds to faith. He's in the listening business. He's hearing everything that you're saying. So what are you saying to him? What are you asking him? What are you looking for? You see, Jesus says it in the Gospels, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. 
It's the whole pursuit of you continually seeking after him and expecting by faith to receive an answer because he's expecting to give it to you. He just wants you to listen and hear it. You see, whenever I was in college, uh, before I went to Bible school, um, I was working at a prison for uh, a couple years, and I was a, a corrections officer, and uh, we had a lot of fun there. Me and, me and a couple guys were still really close, and um, it was just a whole different world of what we lived and what we did, and I worked the night shift, and so we had all the crazies and the drunks and just, just crazy stories that, that I have. It, it was just an amazing job, and it was terrifying at the same time, and I got to learn to pray a lot for safety and security. And I remember one time, um, me and uh, a guard were talking, and, and I noticed some inmates talking, and, and one of them passed something, and they were bringing it somewhere else. And, and so I stopped what I was doing. I was like, hey, give me the bag. Like, I got to look in it. He's like, no, it's all right. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, no, you just passed it like five other inmates. You're bringing it to somebody else. I've got to see what's in it. I open it up, and there's drugs in the bag. And uh, immediately, he's like, it's not me. I didn't do it. I'm like, well, you're holding it. I'm, you know, I'm not sure like Holmes, but I'm pretty sure I solved the case. And uh, he's like, well, it wasn't mine. I, I was passing it from him to a friend of mine. And I was like, oh, okay, well, who gave it to you? Oh, I don't know. Oh, okay, well, you just took a bag and you didn't know. That's cool. And I was like, well, who are you giving it to? Oh, well, I, I don't know. He was somewhere in there. I was like, well, you just said he was one of your friends, so therefore he's not your friend. And, and so I did this huge report, and, you know, they got in trouble for bringing drugs into the prison and stuff like that. So it was whatever. A couple months later, I get uh, a subpoena to go to court. And I'm just this young guy, and I'm like, what do you mean go to court? Like, I don't know what to do at court. I've never been a part of that. So I go there, and there's the DA there, and he's like, listen, this is a grand jury. Uh, they're uh, trying to charge this guy with the possession of drugs, and uh, you just have to go in there and give your testimony. And I was like, oh, okay, like, uh, what, what do I do? And he's like, no, it's not a big deal. Just answer their questions, and then, uh, you know, you'll be done. I'm like, oh, okay. It looks so much cooler on law and order, you know. I'm... <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for the dun-dun, like, come on, help me out here. And, uh, and so I walk in there, and I sit down, and there's like these six, seven older people uh, that are on the grand jury, and they just start asking me all these questions where I felt like I was on trial. And I'm like, I didn't do it. Like, it's not my fault. Like, I, you know, by the end of it, I'm crying. I'm like, I had the drugs. It was me. Like, I found them. I'm sorry. Like, it's, it's my fault. And, uh, and they're like, no, you're not charged. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Um, and so they start asking me all these questions, and I had, I had the whole story. I knew all the answers to their questions. And as soon as I got done filling them in on the information, then they could reach a verdict and deliver whatever the court case was to them. I don't know what happened to them, the death penalty or something. I'm joking. I don't know what happened. He <laughs> went to jail for a couple more days. And, uh, but I find it interesting, this whole situation with the grand jury is exactly what happens. You see, you're going through a problem right now, but you don't really know what the answers are. And God is sitting on his throne asking you and begging you to give you the answers. You have all these questions to all these things that are going on in your life. And God has all the answers that he wants to deliver. And as you continue to ask the questions, he's going to answer them. And once you get those answers, then you can deliver a verdict to whatever situation and problem is occurring in your life. And you will overcome it. But first you have to seek out and ask the questions. Because he's hearing and he's answering those questions. You just have to man up and listen and be in that quiet place. Like it says for the definition of, uh, of salt, a frequent, to frequent a place. To frequent it. Not just show up. Not just go there once a month, once a year, once, you know, frequently, continually go and ask because God's going to answer. The last one we see is he delivered me from all my fears. 
I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. That word in Hebrew is natsal. Pretty cool word. I liked it. And it means to snatch away, to rescue, to deliver, to take away, to strip away, to deliver, to strip away. We see all throughout the the Bible that Jesus and God have this theme of freedom. All throughout, he's continually trying to free people. He always supplies the answer. He always has the outcome. As the Israelites faced time after time, enemy after enemy, he's always providing some type of freedom. We see him pulling them out of Egypt. We see him freeing them as they go into Canaan. Over and over again, we see God continually telling, hey, I'm going to free you. He tells Adam and Eve at the very beginning, don't worry, I got it covered. Give me a couple years, we'll make it happen. We see him over and over. The, the theme of freedom and God continually to deliver is unbelievable. But when it comes to one bill, when it comes to one cough, when it comes to one cold, all of a sudden we are completely shut down in our lives and we wonder where is God at? What's going on? Why is he not in our relationship? And we pass through the Bible and read it over and over again and we think, well, he was pretty cool with Joseph. He, he rocked it out with Moses, but there's no way he can free me from this cold. This one's a real doozy. H1N1 has really got me this time. Good luck, God. But over and over again, it says that he's going to deliver us from all my fears. We see in John 8, 32, that he says, For he that the sun sets free is free indeed. We see in 2 Timothy that uh, Paul says that I've not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And we see in Galatians, if we can pull that one up, maybe, Galatians 5, 1. Oh, I so, one more. You're good. Oh. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. He's already removed everything that we've struggled with. He's already taken off of us. So he says, don't get entangled by it again. Don't walk into it again. I've already freed you. He that the sun sets free is free indeed. Last I checked, when he said it was finished on the cross, it was done. And when he kicked open the grave, we were already free. And everything was wide open for us to receive blessing and overcome everything that we encounter. Recently, I've been reading, uh, I'm a big World War II junkie. And uh, I've been reading uh, many books about it, as many as I can buy and find and um, I recently just read a book on, uh, on the Holocaust, and, um, and it was a, the story of a guy that was in um, Auschwitz, and he talks about the fear that he encountered every day. As he shows up the first day, he's trying to figure out what's going on, what this place is. He's been lied to, and they just said, get on the train. We're taking you away from your town, your village, and he gets there, and it's this brand new world. He sees the inmates that have been there for years and years, and immediately he's struck with fear, and he's all alone, and he doesn't know what's going on. And it goes through his two-year journey of being in Auschwitz as he comes on the other side and survives. It's an amazing story as he goes through, and he says, everywhere you go in this prison, in this jail, in this uh, concentration camp, you are constantly reminded of terror and fear everywhere you go. 
the guards are ready to attack you and kill you. Anybody that's there that's a, an inmate is already trying to overcome you, step over you, steal from you, take whatever you can. And he says there's this constant fear. When you go to sleep, you're worried if somebody's going to take your stuff. Whenever you wake up, you're wor worried if somebody next to you has died. You're trying to figure out all these things. But then at the end of it, he talks about how the Russians were advancing to this concentration camp. And they could hear the bombs blowing up as they got closer and closer. And all of a sudden, these terrible guards are all of a sudden kind of slowly disappearing. And they're slowly going away and, and they're not really paying attention to the inmates anymore. And he says he wakes up one morning and he realizes that the camp is completely abandoned. There's nobody left in there to guard them. And they're trying to figure out what to do. What does this new freedom look like? So immediately they go and start raiding the kitchen and stealing all kind of medicine and taking everything they can take because they're free. And he talks about the excitement of when they see the Russians. And as the bombs start blowing up and as they finally press into the camp and realize what this is, he said for the first moment he wasn't afraid anymore because a more powerful army had overtaken his enemy and that he walked into this new freedom that he had never experienced before. Do you know what the feeling is to be terrified of something? Do you know the feeling of what it is to not understand what the next step is? But what I'm here to tell you is that there's a more powerful God that's already overtaken your enemy and that you no longer have to be in this prison cell and wrapped up in fear for whatever the situation is because God will and God has already overcome. He's already destroyed the enemy. They've already left the camp. There's no reason for you to be afraid anymore. There's no reason to be fearful of whatever situation you're walking into because God's already overcome that situation and he's already established it in heaven that you're an overcomer. He's already established in heaven by the blood of his son that you are free and that whatever the situation looks like, you've already won. I find it amazing that he delivered me from all my fears. I sought the Lord and he heard me, which means he answered you. And he removed and delivered me from all my fears. There's an interesting story that I was reading today and we'll pull it up, and, and I'll start to close with this. John chapter 20, verse 11. This is right after Jesus uh, was rose, risen from the dead. And it says, but Mary was standing without at the tomb weeping. I'll read it from here. My version's a little bit different. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had laid. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she said that, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus stood to her and said, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabbani, which is say, teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. And we see in this story that Mary just went through everything we just talked about. 
You see, she had this fear, and all the disciples had this fear, that when Jesus died on the cross, that it was over. But as I read through the books of the Gospels, Jesus says time after time, hey, in three, kill me, three days I'll rise again. I'm not going to be too obvious, but if you kill me, and I lay down for three days, I'm going to come out the grave and rise again. The disciples are like, what is he talking about? He's crazy. He said a lot of crazy things, but this one, this is just... This riddle is atrocious. I just can't figure it out. You kill me, I'll come back three days. Well, maybe we'll figure that one out tomorrow. And so Mary has this fear as soon as she sees Jesus dies. She doesn't go to the tomb expecting to see him risen from the dead. She goes to the tomb with spices to help bury him. There is no belief. There's no faith. There's no anything in this moment. She's just doing her womanly duty. I guess that's what they did back then. Cook and bury the dead. <laughs> Have a kid or two. And so we see Mary go there, and all of a sudden her world is completely wrecked because Jesus isn't there. And so now all of a sudden she's even more fearful. I just want to bury, I just want to take care of the one that I love, and now all of a sudden he's not there, so her fear is stacked on top of her fear. And she says, God, where are you? And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. Hey, hey, Mary. I'm right where I said I'd be. Oh, hey, hey Jesus. And it's interesting because she's so fearful, but she sought the Lord. And Jesus heard her and answered her. And all he said was Mary. And it's exactly what she needed to hear right at that moment. That's all she needed to hear. And immediately she knew, oh, Jesus. And delivered her from all her fears. So now, all of a sudden, this scared, timid, fearful woman who's going to bury the dead because that's what she's expecting, and she's scared on top of that that somebody stole Jesus, now has enough boldness to step into the room where the disciples are and say, hey, I know Jesus is alive. You don't believe it right now. I know that you're fearful and that you're afraid, but I've seen him. I've heard him. I've talked to him, and he's delivered me. So therefore, I know that he's alive. Could you imagine what it's like for somebody to walk into the room with the 12, well, 11 disciples and tell them that Jesus is alive? That's got to be some pretty strong words. Hey, Peter, I know you're kind of a big deal. Hey, John, I know you, you love the Christ the most. We all heard you say that a bunch of times in your own book. <laughs> but Jesus is alive. Get thee behind me, woman. That's probably what they were all saying. Shut up and fix me some bread. What, I mean, what were they saying to her? That she's so full of confidence that her fear is completely ripped away, completely stripped off of her, that she can walk in there and say, I know he's alive because he delivered me. I know that he's the risen king because I've seen him. I know that he is the risen Lord because I've heard him. It's pretty amazing to go from fearful in verse 11 to bold and free in seven verses later. So as we do kind of finish up today and as I close, uh, Maddie, Jonna, can y'all come up for a little bit? And um, I just want to do something tonight. I want to start off the process of seeking the Lord. It's going to be quite simple because God's going to work in y'all tonight and start this, this seed that's been planted, and we're going to water it a little bit real quick. And that way, when you go home, you're going to 
start the whole new process because this is a new year. This is completely different than whatever happened last year. Whatever struggles that you had last year are over. I, I don't even know what they are. I don't care what they are. I'm here to tell you that God is here to set you free from those fears. Those bills that hung over your head last year are never going to hang over your heels. Those sicknesses that hung over you that you couldn't beat, they're beaten already this year. You've, they've already been defeated. Whatever issues with your relationships, with your husband, with your wife, with your kids, with your family, hey, those are going to be restored this year. Yeah. Because it's simple. We have to passionately pursue and seek after the Lord this year because that's the only way this world's going to change. That's the only way your family's going to change, your job's going to change, your house is going to change. This world, America, the government, that's the only way it's going to change if his Christians start rising up and seeking after the Lord and declaring that he's going to take over my life. And when he changes your life, I guarantee he's going to affect other people's lives around it because I can't stand here anymore and tell people, Jesus doesn't work. I've never seen him exist because that would be a lie. Just like Kayla was saying, I know that he is faithful. I know that he is true. I don't know what happened with you last year, but he's faithful right now and he'll be faithful tomorrow. I might have a bigger issue tomorrow, but I'm going to step out in faith even more knowing that he's even faithfuler to overcome that issue. So today, we're just going to sing that last song for a little bit. Y'all can stand up as we start to close. And I want y'all to seek the Lord. I want you to passionately pursue the Lord. We're not going to go long. This isn't your prayer time. This isn't your, uh, your big moment to go for it. But we're going to start the process of pursuing the Lord. And I want you to talk with God about that fear, that one that just hit in your head, the one that you've been thinking about through this whole thing. Because God's been pulling it up so he can rip it out, so he can heal it, restore it, and you can walk into this new year free. You see, God didn't just just randomly get this weird little kid to show up and preach tonight on just this random Wednesday night. Y'all are here for a purpose. I believe it. God believes it. That he's here to heal you specifically. I see time and time again that Jesus is about relationships. Personal, one-on-one relationships. He loves the individual person, which means you. Which means he called you here for a particular reason to help you tonight with that situation. So we're just going to worship for a couple minutes. I'm going to pray, see if God wants to do anything, if he wants to do anything. And I want you to talk with God one-on-one and say, this year, I'm seeking you more. This year, I'm listening to you more. I'm hearing those answers. And this year, you are. You currently are delivering from my fears, every one of them. So let's worship for a little bit.
tonight. I thank you that you stirred something inside of us that, that we won't forget and that we, we, we've been ever altered by, Father. That is, you place inside of our heart to passionately pursue after you, that you're going to hear and answer our prayers and you're going to deliver us, that this is the year of freedom in each and every one of the, their lives, Father. I pray over them right now and I plead the blood of Jesus over them. I say, you spirit of fear, you have no control, no access to these people's lives anymore. That he that the Son sets free is free indeed, Father. I thank you that you gave them power and a sound mind, Father. That this is the day that you have made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. I don't know what they came in with, Father. But I thank you that your freedom is releasing it off of them as they walk out of this building, Father. I thank you that they're healthy. I thank you that they're whole. I thank you that their finances are in order. I thank you that their relationships are restored. I thank you that their jobs are promoting them. I thank you that their vehicles are working, that their children will always love Christ. I thank you that their family will come to know you. I thank you that their bosses will love them and that everything they put their hands to is going to prosper, Father. I thank you for these people that you're blessing them, and that this word is the beginning to a great 2014. Bless them on their way home and keep them safe. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 a.m., 11 a.m., or 1 p.m., and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Please visit onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at One Cause Church. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.